man, if the people are there and you got the bottle, open it. Don't let good bottles of wine sit around. You're saving it for the save of the moment. Make it a special moment. If the person's there, the time is right. You open that bottle. Let the bad bottles sit there for a while. Open it. Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I could not be more thrilled and more honored with the guest that I'm about to present to you today. You know, when I go to these various conferences and retreats, I often sit in the audience and I think to myself, oh, if only some of my friends could have heard that, or if, if only some of my podcast listeners could hear that. Well, this past October, I went to the Todd Durkin Mastermind Retreat, and I heard the most impactful presentation that I had ever heard in my life. Today, I have on our show a world-renowned presenter. I got to meet him through our very own Todd Durkin. You all have heard me talk about him before. In fact, this guy gave Todd Durkin a run for his money in the early days of Fitness Quest 10. I'll let him tell you about that, but they were uh, competing daily to see who could train the most people and create the most impact. So that's really exciting. Uh, he's a high performance coach as well. This year he has his Energy 100, 100 day high performer program coming out. I'll let him tell you about that as well. But before I go any further and steal the entire show, Brett Klicka, welcome to the show. Travis, I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh man, I'm just, uh, I feel blessed. I feel blessed that you're gonna share with our audience today just who you are. You're a true overcomer. Uh, your, your daughter was amazing. Uh, you're a proud dad. So much that I could say about you. Uh, Brett, if you will, maybe just give the, the listeners a little peek into your life. Um, you know, just kind of where you're coming from. And if you want to start back in the early days of fitness quest 10, when you were uh, <laughs> giving Todd a run for his money, I'll just say it that way. Uh, let's well, start. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, so I've been a performance coach. Honestly, I was one of those people that knew what I wanted to be in high school because sports was my life. And so going to, I went to college for it. I had the opportunity to be a coach at the U.S. Olympic Training Center after college. I met Todd through a mutual uh, mutual acquaintance at the Olympic Training Center. He was working with the women's soccer team. I was working with all of the athletes for speed and strength. We met as he was opening Fitness Class 10, and we had this really 15 year journey together, growing fitness quest 10 from, from nothing to be, being able to top 10 gym in the United States and, and getting some international opportunities to help people and things like that. And it, we always talk fondly about those times because man, as you know, and probably everyone on this call involved in business knows growing a business is, is outrageous. And to go from zero to 60, like we did with fitness quest. I mean, it was some serious work weeks and Todd and I was joke about, and there was weeks where we were training more than 50 hours on top of the other stuff that's going on. And so it come down to day by day, we decided to see it as like a fun to see it as competition. Cause it was hard. I mean, it, it was, it gets to the point you love what you do, but you get pushed to the wall. And so we kind of turned it into, okay, how can we make this? It, it, we loved what we did, but how can we sustain? We turned it into a day to day competition. We're training like, 13, 14 hours a day, and I'd be done. About I got 13, and he'd be like, ah, I got 12. And we're so exhausted, but we just got it. And that really defines our relationship. We figured out ways to push each other. We're still, he's one of my you know, close friends, my mentor. I feel I wouldn't be where I was today unless I, if I hadn't met Todd. So I'm very grateful for that. And then through the years, I've, I've had my own ventures. I started speaking about a decade ago all over the world. I'd been speaking before that, but I started in the corporate space and I've been blessed with a lot of success. I've been all over the world, been able to be in front of audiences, uh, helping high performers really develop the energy, physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual energy to continue to perform for life. 
And that's what I've done for the last decade. And this last fall, pretty much exactly a year ago to the day, my family is one of the most important things to me. And everyone who knows me knows the importance of my family. And that changed. Something with my family changed. And it 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 led me into the toughest year of my life. And I you know, woke up morning in November, last November, and like a morning like any other, I was working on a huge project. Got up where I was working my project. My wife was going to golf. My daughter was going to an aquarium with my my mom. And my wife came to say goodbye because she was going golfing with her friends. And I got up from my computer, went out, said the tip, you know, the, well, I'll see you later. I love you. I said, I love you too. And that's the last time I had to talk to my wife. Well, she collapsed on the golf course and the, this sudden it, it ended up being, uh, it's a heart defect that she had that had gone untracked. It had gone undiagnosed her entire life because she hadn't been symptomatic and it was mitral valve prolapse. And I guess there's a malignant form of that, that actually kills women in their forties. It's when it does. And, and so the last year of my life has been a uphill battle, quite frankly, after so many years of helping people, never before have I had to use my own advice so much to, to first just survive, but then to get back to the point where I'm feeling I'm living in alignment with my God-given purpose. And I, I've been through, like I said, I, I honestly believe I visited hell this year, but I feel that there's a lot that I can share about my road back home that I, I feel. And, and now I've never been more impassioned about that in my life. So that's, that's where I come to you today and, and anything I can do through, you know, the, the people I work with my coaching or sharing that's, that's my life mission now. Well, when I said a true overcomer, uh, thank you for being vulnerable with our audience and sharing that. I said it was the most impactful presentation that I'd ever listened to. And not just because that topic hits so close to home, because I, I just want to know what I would do uh, in that situation. I can only imagine the type you said you visited your own hell, uh, the type of pain that you've gone through, yet you did it in a way that is so admirable because you've dug in as a father. I mean, there are some people, I, I don't know who they are, but you're listening to this show and imagine which one you might be. Would you be the guy that just started drinking himself to death? You know, would you be the one that would be able to stand up and and be who you've been for this past year? Because it was so evident when you came in there, you know, I got a grandson that's like a son. I have a daughter, she's 21. And um, I'd like to think that I could be the man that you have been Brett, uh, you're a true overcomer. It's just evident what a great father you are. Um, you know, I just can't say enough about it. Can you talk a little bit uh, for our audience? I know that you've dealt with just immense pain. I know that you probably can only see one day at a time, you know, how you're, yet you made some important choices during this time, you know, choices that allowed me to see the relationship that you have with your daughter. Can you talk a little bit about what your perspective was during that time, maybe for other people that are dealing with loss or. Yeah. And, and Travis and I, and thank you for, for, you know, complimenting and, and, but I, honestly, I, after going through that type of pain, you can see how it can break a person. I mean, the, that my process, when that first happened, you know, the reality of losing the love of my life, the mother of my daughter and, that reality puts you in a place that I didn't know that you could go through that and survive. I didn't know that the human body could feel that way emotional and still live. It was, it was a living death. And in that it was, and I don't want to make this sound like it was this contrive like well i have a choice to make today and i'm going to make the right one that really wasn't the way the, the the process goes as everyone knows life isn't that simple but there was something in me that just said hey i'm going to go through this because there was even though i was feeling helpless i've never felt that helpless 
I've never felt that overwhelmed. I've never felt that weak. I've never felt that vulnerable. I've never felt that scared that I would succumb. So to crawl it into a, to be honest, crawl it into a bottle or finding some drug that would take that edge off because I'm telling you, it was a living death. And, and it, I didn't know that I, my body had, that my brain had the capability to do it. But somewhere in me was like, there was a confidence because we have feelings and beliefs. And this is something I really discovered. I had trained these beliefs. I wasn't even necessarily aware of. I mean, I was because of the work I had done, the work I was doing. I'm, I'm working with high performers, helping them find purpose, helping define their purpose, helping align their intention, align their resources, time, money, energy, all these different things, align them in a direction where they're going to get an ROI based on what's truly important to them in life so that they don't just have success, but their success is aligned with fulfillment. Their success is alignment with happiness and connection, all the things that, that they want. And so through this work, I've developed some habits. I've developed some thought processes. I've developed some tools. And because of that, even though I had nothing, I had no fight. I had no like, I, this wasn't the Rocky video, folks. This wasn't the Rocky training montage. There was nothing romantic about this. I'm talking, you're sitting at the gates of hell. Everything is dark. There is no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Something reflexively said, you're going to go through this. You're not going to go around it because my belief was that I had the strength somewhere. Mm. My belief was that. My feeling was like, Brett, run. Brett, you should not have to feel like this. Brett, this is the end of Brett Click. This is the end of what you do, who you are. That's the way I felt. But something inside said, mm -mm. That, that's not, I get it. That's what you're feeling, but that's not what this is. And honestly, Travis, the only thing I can come up with as to why that was there is it just had been trained over and over and over again, the same way the military trains. Oh, I had the opportunity to work with the Navy SEALs and they explained how they will, their instructor was telling me how they would train over and over and over and over and over to the point where they could do it in their sleep because when they hit the chaos of war, training is all you have. And I experienced that. And so my first take was, I'm going to go through this. I, I somehow believe that I can go through it. And I was in that dark place, but I felt like that's where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't completely hopeless. I reached out immediately to, to therapy for myself, and my daughter. I said, what can I do? That's the only thing I knew I could do. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I accepted I didn't want to be social. I didn't go over to friends' houses, but I accepted the support. I accepted the love. I accepted it from my community. And that doesn't necessarily mean I let people come over every day. It didn't mean that I was a, I wanted to sit with someone 24 hours a day. It just means that I allowed myself to feel the love coming in. I allowed myself. And it wasn't a bright and cheery feeling, but I can't explain the feeling. It was better than what I was feeling. And it made me feel like my beliefs were were valid that that i i could survive this and at the end of the day travis i look at my she was then nine years old there the way i saw it the centerpiece of my life if i go to the end of my life it's got a, my epitaph has got to talk about the type of father that i yeah. was it's got to be on the there's a lot of stuff there yeah. stuff that's good it's gonna be a long epitaph yeah, but, yeah, but the type of father i am is going on there and i can't i i screw up i do things or i'd say things do things i screw up as a dad all the time but for me to not be there in a way but also even with my daughter I told her hey you're gonna see dad cry and you're gonna cry we're gonna go through this together i'm not i don't see being strong as covering up emotion. And so I, I just don't see that as being strong. I see being strong as showing strength in that this is a big situation. Big situations, humans act in a certain way, but by acting that certain way, humans also survive. And that's what I truly believe. And, and so from the get-go, that was the take I took with my daughter. 
We went through it. We continue to go through it. But I can honestly say that in that process, in my situation, I feel that I still battle every day. I still find myself, uh, I said, I've been on my way home from hell. I find myself making a U-turn every once in a while. And I, but there's the tools to people to reach out to. There's the beliefs. I'm in a different place this year than I was last year. I just put up my, my Christmas decorations and I had told my mom, my mom's here helping out my daughter and everything. And so helpful. And I told my mom, I was like, man, last year I put up Christmas decorations a month after my wife passed because my daughter needed to have Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew it would be like this too. I almost, I was, I felt like throwing up last year as I was doing this. I was physically ill. It was hard for me. And it wasn't that way this year. There were tears. I'm, I'm going to be honest. There was tears this year. There was, you know, we're putting ornaments on the tree and yeah, there's tears. But I'm in a different place. And, and I honestly believe that the training I've had the opportunity to do in my life, the uh, being willing to go through it, be willing to feel, be willing to feel, quite honestly, not try to jump away from feelings has, has made all the difference. You know, Brad, uh, <laughs> you're making me uh, very emotional just what you're sharing. It's uh, it's just amazing to, to think about. Um, what I want to say is that you've just demonstrated for our listeners the strength that there is in vulnerability, right? Like, I mean, the things that you immediately did, you said, oh, my daughter and I are going to need professional help. Some people don't ask for help and some people don't accept the help of their friends. However, you've created a, a belief system and a training that understands the value of having a professional in your life. You are a coach. So you said, I need a coach. You know, you, you know the power of a network you know, a, a mastermind or whatever the case might be. So because you know that power, you're like, you know what, I'll, I'll accept some of this love that's coming in. So there was this, this training, like a Navy SEAL, as you say, that creates this belief system in you where would you say it's kind of like your default, right? Like, what am I going to lean into? I mean, it, you leaned into what your default was from, from strengthening those beliefs. Um, Really good, really good for our listeners. I, I wanted to ask you a couple of things um one is as i understand it you had date night the day before the event yeah um when you came and presented at the retreat i thought that it was really awesome because you talk about being imbalanced and and the strength of being in balance, which I can't wait for the listeners to hear about that because they're probably like, "What? How can you? How can the? How can being being in balance be a, a good thing?" Uh, however, you know, you you talked about how you're able to live without regret. You, you lived with unbearable pain, but you lived without regret, mm -hmm. and it had to do with the the filter and the way that you uh, appropriate your time. Um, so. Uh, I guess kind of starting off with day night, which I think was like an amazing blessing from God or the universe or whatever that you had that the day before. However, even just being the person you are, a busy, high-performance coach trying to save the world and, you know, you just the way you handled yourself in those last moments. Uh, I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that filter for our listeners. That would be great. So like you said, the, the night before uh, my wife passed, we we had a date night and the first date night we had had in a really long time. She had been traveling for work. I'd been traveling for work. We're both very career involved people. And we know though, at the end of the day, we'd have conversations about this. There's time for the career. And there's time to, to, to put it, to go all in. There's time in the day. There's time in the week. There's time in the year. There's time in your life. But then there's those moments. And we often think of a balanced life by taking our, our time or we're taking our energy and we got a career and then we got home life. But then it's like, we're trying to like, we're checking our phone while we're talking to someone we love or we're, we're trying to, because in our mind, we're trying to balance. And I'm here to tell you 
the pursuit of work-life balance is one of the most fruitless pursuits you can go on in your entire life. And I am so thankful that I, my wife and I did not pursue work-life balance. And let me explain what I mean here. When we go out, when we go out to dinner together, I did not, I could get a phone call unless it's from my daughter. My phone's dead. I'm not taking pictures for Instagram. I'm not doing, you can, you can scrub. Yeah. I don't know if I ever took a date night picture in all the years Instagram has been around it. And, and for me, that's, and that's not to say that's a bad thing. It's just for us, we're like, I don't want anything to do with that. We're going to imbalance. We're not going to talk about work. We're not going to do this because not that we hate work. We love our careers, but this is so we're all in. So the conversation we have, we, t- we, my wife would always say, Hey, let's have dinner European style, which means that we order one course at a time. I think it drove the waiters nuts because that table was ours. Yeah. And so we'd order a drink and then an appetizer and then the main course and aperitif and then dessert. And then, I mean, we're there for like, that's the way we like to do it because this was an event. We didn't get to spend a lot of time together. So anyway, we would create this imbalance. So, so that happens kind of in the mic- macro, which is we have an evening. Then the next morning, I like I said, I had a, a, a big thing, the big project I was working on. And so I'm, I'm on a computer, I'm locked in, in my zone, but because of the way that we had sort of trained ourselves, Mm -hmm. when she came in to say, all right, I'm taking off now. I love you. I didn't. And not to say that I never would. I just, in this case, because of where I was at with creating this, okay, I'm working out, but I'm going to stop this for a second. Because this is something important to me too. I stopped working. Stepped away from the computer. I walked across the room. I gave her a hug and a kiss. I said, I love you too. It's the last thing you got to say to my wife. And of everything I felt in the last year, because I was willing to be imbalanced in that situation, I wasn't like, oh yeah, yeah, I love you too, whatever. Because I was willing to be in balance and shift over to what is important to me, I don't have that regret. I didn't shoot my last interaction with my wife wasn't shooing her out the door or or pretending like she was an annoyance to me. And I don't know if peace is the word. There hasn't been a lot of peace in the last year, but if there's anything that's been able to provide it. Yeah. Well, I have to share a testimonial about how you changed my life. My wife knew how impactful your presentation was on me. You know, I was tearful and it still tears me up, you know, just to, you know, the empathy that I have in uh, this situation. However, we go to visit her father and her mother in New Hampshire. And and, uh, this was just a couple weeks later after your presentation. And so her father... Uh, and mother, they've been married about 50 years. And so my job is to take them to the club in the evening and Cindy and her mom spend time with the grandbaby. And so, you know, he likes to go to his club and say hello to his friends. And, uh, so there he is with his walker and I'm getting ready to load him in the car and he goes, you know, the drill and the drill is that they have to kiss goodbye and tell each other that they love it, that they love each other. And, uh, and so I just kind of chuckled because my wife and I don't have that, you know, the drill thing, you know, going on. <laughs> but uh, she's like, yeah, dad, you got to teach him something because uh, he doesn't do that, you know? And uh, and I thought of you. And I said, well, maybe it's time that I change that. And so that weekend, we went to a football game at her alma mater. And uh, it turns out that she's a tiger. Uh, that, was, that was her school. They were the tigers. So now we got a thing that when I... Uh, leave the house or even in the evening I say you know the drill tiger and uh, <laughs> and so you know that's awesome that's awesome shift and put that filter on but I, I I didn't do that because of what I witnessed uh her father doing I did that because of how impactful your talk was on me and just understanding uh how we need to prioritize our lives uh, so thank you for that and uh you know I hope that everybody can feel confident that we're doing the right things at the right times, even though life gets a little crazy. And that's actually what you, what you teach a lot about. Um, 
you know, this Energy 100, the 100-day the high-performance program, the, the power of imbalance, um, can you talk a little bit about like what you're, what you're trying to teach people? Because I want to be that guy that, that, you know, like if it's a moment that I have to look back on that I can look back on it like you did. Well, it's, it, you use the word moment, you know, the miracles in the moments. And when we try to balance everything out in the moment, the, it's the opposite. It's unintentional imbalance when we're, it's okay. I'm going to watch this and listen to this and hear this person say, what's up to this person. Now I'm doing emails. Like we're doing everything at the same time. So and this really came, this observation, because you're not going to find, you're not going to find a lot of memes talking about the power of imbalance, right? You're not, you're not seeing that a whole lot. But honestly, Travis, I've worked for, like I said, the last decade before that, another decade working in fitness industry with these hyper, even the fitness industry, it's the people working with me are professional athletes, they're executives, they're people that have the money to get a personal trainer. So these are people that have been very financially successful. And so, and one question that I ask everyone is, well, if right now things, you don't feel things are going great for you. You know, you don't have energy, you don't have your health or whatever it is. When was the gold standard time in your life? That, that's what I ask everybody because instead of saying, hey, I want to aspire to be like this other person, that gold standard of your own life tells you who do you want to be? You're like, yeah, this gold standard of my life was uh, maybe it's now. Maybe I'm firing all cylinders. Maybe it was when you were in college. Maybe it was. But what I found from thousands of these conversations were the times that people were the proudest of themselves. They felt that they were truly being the best representation of who they were. And this is from a career standpoint, a family standpoint. They were these times of tremendous imbalance. They weren't times of balance in their life. It was when they were on vacation and they completely connected with their family. That's not work-life balance. That's imbalance. You're all in. You're not. It was so great. I told my wife I loved her as I was checking my Instagram. Like that's not the way that goes. It's like I threw my phone in the freaking ocean for four days or a week or a day or an hour and I connected or it was, I did meaningful work. I I got my master's degree because that was something that was important to me. I, we finished a project at work that I just was fired up. These, none of these times traps were, oh, well, I worked exactly eight hours. I came home. I watched Netflix for six hours. And then I did something else for two hours. So mathematically, you got this nice little balance. Never was it that situation. And I stopped and said, wait a minute, why then is this idea of balance what we're talking to? It's not what we're talking about. The, the notion of balance isn't wrong. But let's think about this. What What is it? Like if you look back and you say, wow, I had a balanced life. Well, it's usually you're going to look back and hope that you had a lot of those gold standard moments, right? I mean, that would be the great life we're all going for, right? Like, oh, I had a lot of those gold standard moments. That's not balance. That's meaning. Yes. Yes. We don't want work life. We want work life meaning. We find meaning in our work. A lot of those proud moments were at work. A lot of those proud moments were in our personal life. When we have meaning, when we seek meaning in our personal or professional life, that is going to create the sense of balance. It's not that that idea of balance is wrong. It's how we're going about it. We're going about it in the moment. We're going about it in 24 hours. We're thinking about it mathematically. We're thinking about it in terms of time instead of terms of the energy we bring to the table. So we're just thinking of it as like, oh no, I worked for eight hours. So now I have to balance that out with eight hours of laying on the couch. It, it, it's a matter of, okay, well, you know what you have to do at work, but can you look and see it. Could you just see it as you have to be there for eight hours? You, you see it as well. I can do this and get more efficient. I can do this. So maybe I don't have to work when I'm at home or on the weekends or, and then when you get home, what is the life that's important to you? Do you know the average adult spends like five hours a day through some screen outside of work, five hours a day of accumulated screen time, whether they be television, their social media, non-work. That's life, folks. If, if you want a time balance, if we're going to go for work-life balance, that's what's happening. So we're going to now turn that into work-life meaning. Well, what is it that brings meaning when you get off work? Well, Brett, I don't have that much time. Well, we don't. You're never going to forget time. It's not going to ever balance out. A 10-minute walk. Well, Brett, I like to, to, to go skiing. Well, we probably can't do that on a Tuesday at 6 o'clock when you get home. But can you make sure you you have a couple days of skiing a year? 
could you, or maybe it's you like to hike, maybe it's you like to draw. No, you probably can't spend three or four hours a night doing that, but how could you take an art class once a week? And it's, it's finding what does bring meaning to your life. And people say, well, I just don't have the energy. I just, I just, well, you, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And so sometimes it's, it's, you have to find that small breakthrough and you find, oh, wait a minute. I was afraid that our class was going to take energy. It actually gives me energy. It makes me feel like I have meaning in my work, my life. And now I can move forward. Yeah. You know, I'm about to get a little bit deep here, uh, scientific. Uh, recently, I read a book and I was very inspired when they were talking about the difference between Newtonian time and Einstein's theory of relativity. Kairos and Kronos. Uh, yeah, Kairos and Kronos. And I was like, I want to be on Kairos time. And I feel like what you're talking about exactly. is Kairos time. Uh, when I was at that retreat that I saw you at, I now have a grandson that is with me full time, so I have to behave differently than I would have at past retreats. At past retreats on the lunchtime, I would quickly have lunch and try to catch up on emails and do that kind of thing. However, what we did is we went swimming each day because there was just enough time at lunch because, you know, he's a baby. He doesn't need to be in the pool for very long. It wasn't exactly hot, sweltering temperatures there, so we, he just likes the water. So it was enough to go for 15 or 20 minutes and get changed and be back in the room in time, you know? So that was kind of my version of Kairos time, but I, I'm hearing you talk about, you know, making these moments count and being in Kairos. It's not an equal Kronos that we're talking about here. It's about a, a type of Kairos, if you will. Absolutely. Am I like picking Kronos? now? <laughs> I think I am. Well, and that's exactly what it is. That Kronos time is you know, the Greeks had two versions of time. And then that, that Kronos time is literally, it's just hour by hour. You look at it and, and your time drives your energy in, in that Kronos time, time. Okay. How much time do I have? Okay. That's what I get to do. But Kairos time, Kairos time is we've all experienced it. It's, it's the, when we bring meaning to the moment, it's that hug that lasts for 10 seconds, but it, it was everything. And it requires your presence. It requires you, like you know, the the gift of the moment, uh, the moment being called the present, requires your presence, right? You know, like, and so, let me ask you. You were just talking about how the average adult is spending five hours uh, on their screen a day. You know, clearly they can't, uh, as you mentioned, they can't be uh, having a kiss, telling someone that they love them, and also checking their Instagram at the same time. Yeah. I really admire you, Brett. Uh, I'm curious what your screen practices are. Guys, I struggle like everybody else. <laughs> Honestly, I wish I could say, well, I gave up screens. <laughs> no, man, I, because I have this thing where it's like, well, I if I don't value Instagram's on my phone, I don't have TikTok. I took Facebook off my phone, but let's say I have, I have Instagram. I have emails on my phone too. Emails... I've disciplined myself to, I check emails from a, from my laptop now and it's certain times of the day. So that has to be there. There has to be this like time blocking where it's like, this is what I do at this time. I, I check emails from this time to this time. Cause we don't, we're just going to keep flipping back to our phone. But what I did honestly, and this is such a simple thing, cause I'm a simple person, just like anybody else. I found myself unconsciously. If I'm standing in line at the grocery store. God forbid my brain's not, yeah, just being um, stimulated, flip onto the phone, try to find some BS to look at where it's Instagram. And so my daughter, so all of you with kids, I told my daughter, hey, if you catch me on Instagram, <laughs> then you get ice cream after dinner. Oh, wow. I had a cop. I have a cop living with me now. So it's just simple. It's not, I mean, I wish I could say, oh, well, I just sat and meditated about it and all this. No, I just needed a, a curb, someone to curb it. And it's helped a lot. And I did because I don't value, here's the thing is if you really value social media, if it's part of your values that makes your life better, it's like, Hey, this is brings meaning to my life. Well then make sure to schedule some time to do that. But it doesn't bring meaning to my life. I found it doesn't bring any really anything positive. So it doesn't deserve my time. So that's really schedule emails 
and then not having my phone with me whenever possible. Mm-hmm. And I have a, and I always use the excuse, oh, my, if my daughter has to get a hold of me. Well, that's there. If you're a parent, you want to make sure, but it's creating that environment, but also knowing why I don't want to be on that all the time. And that's really what it starts with travel. That's, that's with anything. It's a, we can all, I love these morning routine things that everyone has. And I think morning routines are really important. So many people are doing like a two-hour morning routine. And I say, well, why? They're like, well, because so-and-so does it. Was it done for you? How does it fit in the context of your life? Like, if it won't last if we can't figure out like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Checking screens all the time, flipping up my phone and feeling frantic, trying to balance everything in the moment. That's not who I want to be. That's why I'm going to create some guardrails around my screen time. Not just because, oh yeah, I guess screen time's bad. Rules don't work, man. Rules only provide a start. Rules don't work because self-discipline doesn't work long-term. It's just not a long-term strategy. So you have to modify your environment and know why you're doing that. Your brain's pretty simple. Your brain wants to know, if I'm going to give this extra energy towards something, why? What, what, what does that have to do with your survival or your your high functioning or your thriving? So if your brain's aware of it, you'll, you'll, your brain will give you more resources. Yeah. You know, I, I asked about that because to me, you know, this Newtonian time, this Kairos time, this making moments count, as you pointed out with the uh, Instagram example, it just doesn't happen when we're always having to check out of the present moment, you know, when we're going to check into Facebook or check into wherever, whatever social media platform, or let's check our email. Cause maybe there's one more thing that we can get off the plate. Yep. I've been trying to clean that plate for years. It's never empty. You know, like I keep having this story. I tell myself, Oh, you know, I'll feel better if I get this off my plate. Yeah. However, I forgot to ever show up in Cairo's time because I just kept going for the one more thing, you know, in this, uh, chronological order of like, maybe I can get this done by five. Oh, I'm not done at five. Maybe I'll be done at seven, you know, like, and then I keep on pushing that time and never had a moment count throughout the day because it was just busy being busy. You know? Well, and that's the thing is, is with this, this busy, we accept busy. We even embrace busy. Busy is not a currency of anything meaningful folks. And, it, and as soon as we stop embracing busy is when we all have an opportunity to move forward. I mentioned this when I spoke, when I go in to speak somewhere, I'll, I'll have breakfast with coordinator we're sitting there with other people and if i'm sitting at a table and and if one of the people at the conference attendees is talking to me about how busy they are i know they're not a high level leader Mm -hmm. yeah because it means they're just they're they're using that that chronos time they're just they got a to-do list every day is just a to-do list and it's just stuck it's like i'm gonna do stuff i'm gonna look really busy i'm gonna tell people i'm really busy look everybody i'm i'm producing look at me look at me in the inside they know we all know when we're just doing busy work mm-hmm. and but one thing i want to share with that is what the, and this is something that that we talked about that miracle in the moment right like being able to appreciate and sometimes it seems like well i mean that's kind of boring you know i can look at my phone and i can watch videos from all over the world why would i just want to stand in line at the grocery store well I, my wife and i I've been into wine for a long time. Love wine. Every time I go overseas, I turned into some sort of wine thing. I've been to all these different vintners, taking on classes, like not just wine for drinking, like wine out of interest. And you look at how people drink wine. I mean, at one time I'm, I'm sitting at a restaurant, I'm just laughing because we had spent 15 minutes selecting and tasting and swirling and swishing and all this, the wine and the food was like an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they don't even have like a waiter to bring you the wine. They got a special person who went to college for wine to bring you wine. And I thought, oh my gosh, like that's one little silly sideshow that we put all this into and the enjoyment you get from a good bottle of wine and you know where it came from and this whole, all you're doing is bringing your presence to that moment and the the wine takes on a life. Yeah. So I thought, how many other areas of life could we do that in? How many other areas of life could we bring meaning to by watching watching people that are really into wine? What if I sat with my daughter and just dug in and just appreciated the, the silence or the conversation or the, the touch or the whatever, just be there like you're enjoying a glass of wine, be into the moment 
And that's not a disciplined thing. That's not a thing because that's what you should do. It makes it better. So good. Let me ask you something I heard about you and wine. Um, I heard that you collect bad bottles of wine. <laughs> so Rick, I wish I could see I came up with that. Rick Elias, who's a, a motivational speaker, good, great. He talked about, he was on the, the Hudson River flight that went into the Hudson River and everyone lived. And, and he talked about one of the things he learned after that was that he now collects bad bottles of wine. <laughs> and what he means by that is that, man, if the people are there and you got the bottle, open it. Don't let good bottles of wine sit around. You're saving it for the, save it the moment. Make it a special moment. If the person's there, the time is right. You open that bottle. Let the bad bottles sit there for a while. <laughs> open the good ones. I love it. I love it. That was just a good philosophy. And I, and I heard you say it. I'm not sure whether it was in a presentation or a podcast, but I'm like, oh, I want to open up the door for that one right now because people need to learn that lesson. That's a good one. Um, when it comes to the Energy 100, it really interests me because uh, I like where you're talking about high performance leaders and uh, I'll be interested to know how you really define them, whether it's a, more of a Stephen Covey, are they in the quadrant two or, you know, what, what are they doing uh, with their time? However, where are they finding the energy? Because it seems like in this energy 100, you're really helping them to find this energy. And that's really important to me at my age because, you know, it's interesting. Ten years ago, if I wound up in your group at the gym, I'm not only carrying my weight and setting a pace, but I'm also you know, heckling and, and setting a tone for that workout. And, and life is just, you know, it's gotten extremely busy. And uh, some days I really challenge myself on, you know, hey, where's that? Where's that energy at? You know, and I, I want to find it. I, I want to have that same energy that sets the tone for the room. Um, how do you help high performers to find their energy? And maybe this applies to anybody that when you were challenging them to live a certain way in their life, and they say, I don't have the energy, you know, how do you help them find it? Well, it starts with that question, what would you do with more energy and what are the consequences of no energy? Again, it has to start with, because I could start with someone and say, hey, here's the rules. We got to do this and this and this. Well, if if they can't realize like, wow, the fact that I'm coming home and crashing on the couch every night or I'm in a crap mood all day or I wake up every morning feeling like a baseball bat hit me or I can see my performance declining or I'm... I'm I don't have the energy to engage my relationships. If they can't face that and say, well, I'm not okay with the reality, without any BS, without any stories that they make up about it, but saying, whoa, in five years, my health, my relationships, my whatever it is, could be tanked just because of the way I feel every day and how that way I feel affects the way I operate. So we start there and just say, well, why? Why do you want to make this? What would your life be like if you had more energy? And so then we look at, your brain and your body and they're interconnected, but there's some unique, your psychology and your physiology has unique characteristics. First, we look at if, if you want more, just plain old energy that, that where you feel it. Like if I say, Travis, how are you doing today? I say, yeah, I feel good. That means you have that physical energy. That's biological energy. We create that through the, the, within the, at the cellular level is where we create that. The mitochondria in the cell, the ATP, all these different things, that's biologically regulated. So we're going to look at your biology. We start by assessing, okay, what does your blood work say? How is your health? If your cells are working the way they're supposed to, odds are you're going to work the way you're supposed to and feel the way you're supposed to. So we look at, okay, things like obviously exercise, nutrition, what are you putting into your body? All the things that affect your biological energy are going to be those things that affect health. We're looking at all those different factors, sleep, uh, all of those in the day are going to impact that side. But then there's also, that's the body and there's the brain and brain. You have cognitive capacity and you have emotional capacity. So then when you look at your cognitive, your cognitive, essentially your cognitive energy is your brain's ability and willingness to give the resources necessary to focus, remember, stay on task, filter things appropriately. So you have the right cognitive filter. So you're dealing with things in a realistic way. So through questionnaires, through some different assessments, we see where are you at with that? So if you're someone who finds that extremely, if you know you're someone who is, you know, quote ADD or your racing mind or 
you are burning through, and this isn't, this is, we can measure this in the lab. You're burning through cognitive resources, sugar in your brain, the brain's fuel to be able to focus on things. You're burning through it. You are fatiguing the centers of your brain that help you focus on one thing, that help you make decisions. So we look at, okay, what, what are you doing there? Well, first we assess and then emotionally. I mean, my God, you can be, we as humans, and I hate to say this, but it's true. In the right emotional state, we will kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the right emotional state, every single one of us would kill. Yep. Wow. So emotional energy is a monster. And that's not to say it's always bad, but emotional energy is all-consuming. And we all know that. We've said in the last year, I sat with this, this monster of grief just holding me down. So we know how, so it's critical that we look oh, emotional awareness. Uh, are you aware when you're flown off the handle? Are you aware when you're, you're completely unregulated? And we start to look at those things and what a lot of people find is the emotional toll on your energy. You literally can go through. So I can amp myself up to a point where I could pull a car off of someone. We've heard stories like that, right? Like some, so I can get that much energy in the moment. That tells you how how powerful these emotional centers. So that tells you how important it is then that we're aware and we have some regulation strategies as well. So looking at all those different things through assessment, and then it's daily, we come up every two weeks, we, we look and we say, okay, what are our two-week goals here? And it's two or three things every day, small things. There's none of this like, I'm going to cut out all sugar and I'm going to, no, it's small things. I'm going to say I love you to my spouse at five o'clock. I'm going to, like very small specific things, checking daily. And it's a yes or no. I'm not interested in the the, the, the backstory of why you did. Nope, yes or no. And then we would come together. We say, hey, if you're successful at that, let's progress it. So over the course of 100 days, you've made a lasting behavior change because after 100 days, it's a habit now. And it... It's amazing how these simple things, because people like to do these 30-day challenges where you completely change everything for 30 days. Well, what happens at the end of 30 days? Back to where you started. This is something where it's small changes, daily accountability, and it evolves, and you've made true change in your life by the end. Wow. Wow. Where where does somebody... That sounds like a powerful program. I'm very interested myself. Um, where does somebody go to find out more about it? Uh, you know, same so thing. Bre- BrettClicka.com. If you go to BrettClicka.com, you go to uh, Energy 100 with Brett Clicka on YouTube. And those are the two primary areas. When you're on the website, make sure if you go to BrettClicka.com, my newsletter goes out every Friday with different tips, with research that we found, with interviews, with things that just help manage how you feel and perform and improve it within the context of your life. Again, I speak to high performers, so we're talking like your day's slammed. You don't have time for, well, you can do an hour of meditation and then you're gonna spend three hours on Sunday doing your meal prep for the week. Like that wouldn't work with the people that I, that I work with. So it's it's finding how can high performers integrate this into their high performance life. Yeah, you give me. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 I fit that description. I, I've now started working out at 3 a.m. because uh, I was having some trouble getting in my workout. So I said, well, if I just get up a little earlier, you know, and it's, uh, you know, that's just how it goes. But then when you talk about some exhausting routines, it just doesn't seem to uh, fit into the schedule, right? Yeah. And also on your website, on brettclicka.com, if people want to follow you, connect with you, is there social media links there as well? Social media links, uh, Instagram, at bclicka, brettclicka.com on Facebook, on LinkedIn, brettclicka. Uh, my most active, though, I the blogs are updated weekly on the site, YouTube, a lot of video resources for specific things that you can do in your life to, to feel differently and to perform differently. Uh, that newsletter through brettclicker.com, make sure to join the newsletter because that's something that is going to give you weekly resources and then reach out, you know, reach out to one of those. If, if you're, you fit that bill, if you're a high performer and you've realized that the way you feel on a day-to-day basis is impacting the important stuff in your life. 
it's time to make a change because honestly, I want you to think about what's going to happen in three years or five years or 10 years. If things are tough now, if something doesn't change, what does that mean down the road? Really good. Really good. Well, Brett, let me uh, let me ask you this before we uh, before we let you go. Is there anything that I should have asked you today? Any any final words of wisdom that you'd like to impart into our listeners? I want to make sure that uh, I've opened every door. Yeah, you ask great questions. I just want to leave with it's just that that power of imbalance is so critical, and the way that we all find meaning is to be intentional about imbalances in our life. And that intentionality is so critical. Defining what's important in work and at home. It's not like we just can say, oh, I don't care about my work or I don't care about my home, but defining what's truly important and creating that time where we're all in. And that might only be one minute. <laughs> that might be five minutes, might be two hours, it might be three weeks, whatever it is, but finding those periods where you can be all in, create those imbalances so you can create meaning. So define what's important in both work and life, and then find those opportunities to go all in. Mm-hmm. No, no half on Instagram and, and listening to this and doing that all in with that one person, that one thing, that one project. And Travis, if you like, and the point is, if you like Netflix, if you like Instagram, if you like whatever, have some time where you're all in. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. I'm probably going to go all in with a Christmas movie at some point this season, right? <laughs> you know, so. 100%. I mean, there's, that's what, like, with, that's the only way for us to manage because if we don't, this attempt at balance is going to drive us insane and it's a impossibility. And it just drives me nuts when I see these people talk about work-life balance because a lot of these people, and you're probably here too, the people that talk about it the most, and oh my gosh, it's, I get to meet those people. And they're maniacs behind the scenes. They don't live by anything they talk about. They know it's all crap, but they want the easiest way to make money is the lie to people that want to be lied to. That is how you make the most money is lie to people that want to be lied to. Wow. Well, I love what you're about, Brett. And uh, I highly recommend that if you're listening today and Brett said something that spoke to you, uh, reach out because this man has helped change my life and he can help change yours. Brett, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you, Travis. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!